0: Episode 15,
1: 20 questions. Today, we're departing from our usual format. Rather than telling you about our crushes of the week or what we ate, this episode is all about you. Or more specifically, it's all about answering your questions. Recently, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, I put out a call for questions from listeners of this podcast, and the floodgates opened.
2: Yeah, I'm taking a look at the list of questions that we compiled over a 24-hour period, and it goes on for eight single-spaced pages.
3: That's a lot of questions. Did anybody ask about the sound effects that we do for the podcast? You mean
0: that clapping thing and
3: the high fives? High five. Yeah, like (laughs) I'm so far
0: away from you. I'm like on the other side of the table from you. Mm -hmm. Did anyone ask
3: about the fart noises that we made? Because we can totally talk about fart noises.
1: Thankfully, no. But given the volume of questions, we're going to do two things. First, I'm going to focus mostly on the food, cooking, and family questions. I got a ton of questions about health and weight loss, but despite my nutrition background, I'm not a medical expert by any means. And besides, the focus of my blog, podcast, and book is paleo cooking rather than paleo science. If you have science questions, there are tons of more qualified people to ask, like Chris Cresser, Diane Sanfilippo, Rob Wolf, and Diana Rogers. Hopefully, I'll have one or more of them on the podcast soon, and we can get them to answer your more nutrition-focused questions.
2: Second, we're going to try to answer these questions in quick succession, because to be honest, we don't have the time or patience for a three-hour episode. Instead, we're going to tackle 20 questions for today in rapid-fire speed.
3: If that's even possible. You guys are pretty long-winded. Especially when you're ordering
1: us around. You're dictators. That's right. We're benevolent dictators but we'll try not to be too long-winded today.
2: And don't worry about taking notes. As we do for all our podcast episodes, we'll compile all of the links and recommendations mentioned today in our show notes, which you can access by going to nomnompaleo.com slash podcast archive. Click on episode 15 and you'll be all set.
1: Ready for a whirlwind Q&A session? Then let's go! Welcome to our
0: program. This is the Non Non Paleo show with Michelle Tam and Henry
3: Fong and the Double O's. Join us as we go behind the scenes and reveal how we make a real food lifestyle fun, sustainable, and non-tastic.
1: We're the food nerds behind Nom Nom Paleo, the award-winning food blog, app, and cookbook.
2: And we're also the parents of two growing boys, Big O. Hello. And Lil Oh,
1: Hello. Hi. Hi. Whatever. And they're the reason we do what we do. Questions for Nom Nom Paleo.
2: So Michelle, how are we going to keep our commitment to run through these questions as quickly as possible?
1: I guess I'll just have to pretend I'm on Twitter responding to questions in 140 characters or less.
2: Okay, let's do this thing. The kids can take turns reading the questions.
3: Good, I love reading. I love reading chapter books. I'll take the first one. Nayla B. True asked on Instagram, Just wondering if you ever get bored eating paleo. Also, can you explain the white rice, white potato inclusion? Do you eat either?
1: Hi Nayla. I actually don't get bored eating paleo because to me, paleo is just eating real, natural, wholesome foods, which I find to be incredibly delicious. A lot of people assume eating paleo means depriving yourselves and eating only boiled chicken and limp vegetables, but it's definitely not. There's a huge world of possibilities out there and we haven't even scratched the surface of the wonderful and diverse paleo-friendly ingredients and flavor combinations that are out there. As for your white potato and white rice question, the answer is yes, we do occasionally eat safe starches, which is a term popularized by the Jaminase in the Perfect Health Diet blog and book. Starches may not be the best option for everyone at all times, but if you're active and healthy, these starches won't negatively affect your health. Plus, research indicates that once they're cooked and cooled, white rice and potatoes form resistant starch that pass through our gut and feed the beneficial bacteria in our microbiome.
3: Plus, they're delicious. I love your crispy potatoes, Mom. And I like white rice, because I'm Asian and it tastes good.
2: Ollie, read off question two.
3: Writer Carrie
0: asked, do you cheat and go off paleo? If so, what does it look like?
1: Good question. I don't think of myself as ever cheating, because I don't stick to one set of rules that never change. Instead, I think of paleo as a roadmap or a compass. It tells me what direction I need to go, but it doesn't stop me from taking the occasional detour off the highway because there's something I want to check out. In my mind, this is a lifelong road trip. And what's the point of life if you can't have some fun along the way? So, for example, if I'm at my favorite Mexican joint, I'll have corn tortillas. If it's a special occasion, I might order a gluten-free dessert off the menu. And for our joint 40th birthday last year, when we officially became over the hill, we splurged on an amazing gluten-free meal at the French Laundry up in the wine country. I don't think of these occasions as cheats because I never feel guilty about them. At the same time, I know my limits. I can't eat gluten without a severe reaction.
0: Yeah, like diarrhea, cha-cha-cha. Just like me.
1: Thank you for that lovely picture, Ollie. You're welcome, Mommy. Anyway, even when I'm taking a detour because there's something worth eating, I know what will wreck me, so I take a mindful approach to my
2: detours. Just like in life. If you're on a road trip, a detour to the Grand Canyon sounds great. But a detour to Pitcher, Oklahoma, which has been designated the most toxic place in America... Probably not so much.
3: Question three. The mission asks, What do you tell others when they keep telling us that red meat is unhealthy for us?
2: I would say that context matters. Red meat isn't necessarily bad, but super processed meat products made with red meat is definitely bad.
1: First of all, I don't think we eat that much red meat. We eat it maybe three times a week. And our portions are reasonable, like the size of our hands or our palms. I think red meat is very nutrient-dense, and Chris Kresser and Mark Sisson have articles that tell you why it is. I'll link to them in the show notes, but the short answer is that quality matters, and I'll leave it at that. In my blog and on this podcast, I've talked a lot about how to save money on cheaper cuts of meat that are still sustainably raised and sourced. Even if you're eating other forms of protein like seafood and poultry, you need to make sure the quality is up to snuff. Question
0: 4. MC Jimenez asks... Is there a substitute for corn
1: tortillas that actually taste close? I think the must be nutty almond flour tortillas taste closest to corn tortillas, and I really like them. They're made in Austin, Texas, and you can buy them online. When I'm at home, I usually just make cassava flour tortillas, even though they more closely resemble the texture of flour tortillas. We just talked about them in the last episode, number 14 of this podcast. Ollie really likes them.
3: I love them. I'm not a fan. I prefer real corn tortillas. Boo. Stop. Boo.
2: And that's okay. Like Michelle said, we'll occasionally treat ourselves to corn tortillas.
1: We don't eat them that often. But when we do, we try to make sure they're high quality.
3: Question five is from Sean O'Brien. What is your take on what some consider paleo sweeteners? Like stevia, honey, erythritol, xylitol, monk fruit, etc. Monk fruit. (laughs) Are you sure it's not called monk nuts? (laughs) <laughs> you mean testicles? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is being recorded, right? <laughs> hmm.
1: I know a lot of people have had success with those sweeteners, but I don't really cook with any sweeteners other than some fruit and occasionally a bit of honey or maple syrup. And if I'm going to eat something sweet, I don't think it makes a whole lot of difference which sweetener I use, as long as it's not an artificial sweetener like Splenda or Aspartame. Frankly, I just don't eat a lot of sweets anymore. And if I choose to indulge, like at a restaurant, I know they're just using plain old sugar. And sugar is sugar is sugar.
2: I'm going to read question six because it has a lot of big words in it. Crafty Mystic asks, You often cite ingredients or products that are too expensive or not in an everyday budget. We've been paleo and now FODMAP free, and things are starting to look and taste the same. I'm an avid cook, so I'm not afraid to mix things up, but what are some easy, inexpensive ways to shake up a plain old pot roast, or dress up a chicken, or use inexpensive cuts in innovative ways? You've touched on some of this, but not as a topic.
1: Hmm. I actually have touched on this as a topic on my blog, our book, and on this podcast, I thought. Um, I do have to feel for you, though, because if you're on a FODMAP-free diet, It probably will be more bland because you can't cook with onions or garlic or other vegetables that actually add a lot of flavor. I feel like I try really hard to give options for punching up the flavors of inexpensive cuts of meat and using umami to do so. And I have blog posts and podcast episodes that are entirely devoted to it. Did you check out episode two of this podcast? Because it's entitled Umami and it tells you how to punch up flavors with umami ingredients.
2: I think when the blog first started five years ago, it featured probably more expensive equipment and cooking approaches like sous vide, but I feel like many of the recipes you've done in the past few years have been all about budget-friendly options. I'd recommend checking out the blog's recipe index and looking at Cracklin' Chicken, Kalua Pig, Cheater Pork Stew, Garbage Stir Fry, Damn Fine Chicken, uh, Fiona's Green Chicken. You recently just did a Simple egg drop soup that's really cheap and easy and delicious. And in the cookbook, there's a Yankee pot roast recipe that uses inexpensive chuck roast, as well as an entire section on different flavor boosters that are cheap to make, like Paleo Ranch dressing.
1: Well, a lot of those recipes you mentioned do have FODMAPs in them, so she would have to adjust those (laughs) those recipes a little bit. But while some ingredients that I mention may be on the expensive side, like red boat fish sauce or dried mushrooms, you know, I always try to buy them on sale, and my recipes only call for a little bit to boost flavors, and those two things I think should be okay on her FODMAP-free diet, the fish sauce and the dried mushrooms.
0: My turn, question seven. Hazel Pine wants to know how much you spend per person
1: per month on food. That's a tough question, and it's not because I don't keep a budget. The reason is, is our food budget isn't like a normal family's because I buy a ton of food for recipe testing purposes. Believe it or not, and sometimes even I don't believe it, I'm actually a food professional now, and I'm not just cooking for our family of four anymore. I'm testing recipes over and over again, so I have to buy extra. That said, I know my audience isn't going to want to blow their budgets on food, so I'm always trying to make sure I shop for cheaper cuts of meat and to buy things on sale like whole chickens, chicken thighs, ground meat, braising cuts, pork butt, beef shanks, beef cheeks. My Chinese mom instilled in me a deep sense of frugality, so I'm always going to check the price tags and save where I can. For example, when I head to the butcher and he asks me what I'm going to buy, I reply, what's cheap today? And I'm being totally serious.
3: Catherine Kenny from Twitter asks, can you discuss a bit more about the types of dishes that you freeze? I saw stew and chili, but would love more suggestions.
1: Well, Henry just mentioned a bunch of easy dishes um, two questions back that you can batch cook and reheat later. One blog post in particular that comes to mind is a recent one I did about freezing Fiona's green chicken, and I have another post on freezing bone broth too. To be honest, I'm not great at batch cooking or freezer meals, but I can tell you that you can freeze almost anything, except maybe salad and ingredients that can overcook when you reheat them, like fish. My tip is to freeze your food in the portion size that you intend to eat. For example, if you're going to serve a dish for just two people, freeze it in two-person portions. Otherwise, if it's a giant block of frozen food, you'll probably never eat it. I freeze Kahlua pork in two-person portions because then I can grab one or two packs at a time, depending on what I do with it.
0: Devin asked question nine on Twitter. Are there any cooking tricks that can help me learn to like fish? I really want to like fish. No, I don't. Wait, oh, yeah, I can answer this question. Just cover it with lots of teriyaki sauce. They don't have to taste the fish.
2: That's right. Whenever your mom makes fish, you just add Coconut Secrets teriyaki sauce all over it.
1: Yeah, that's how you can trick anyone into eating something he or she doesn't like. Drown it in their favorite sauce. In Lilo's case, it's gluten-free teriyaki sauce. But in all seriousness. Maybe you just haven't found the type of fish that appeals to you. Try a light white fish that doesn't taste too fishy, like cod. And you can't really go wrong with king salmon. The trick is to buy fresh fish and not to overcook it, because then no amount of teriyaki sauce will save it. Use a meat thermometer. It's not just for steak and chops. So, Henry, you and I like fish medium rare, but the kids want it cooked through, yet moist. So 135 to 140 degrees Fahrenheit is the temperature I normally cook fish at home for the whole family. Just recently, I did a live interactive Periscope cooking video where I showed viewers how to make a super quick supper of baked cod. Periscope videos disappear from the app in 24 hours, but you can still watch replays on catch.me slash Paleo.
2: That's catch.me spelled K-A-T-C-H dot M-E.
1: I also try to upload my non-embarrassing cooking videos to YouTube afterwards. You can find them by going to nomnompaleo.com and clicking on the YouTube button. But you guys should just follow me on Periscope. That's probably my favorite thing right now.
2: Another super easy way that I know some folks like to eat their fish is to just get some canned tuna or salmon and mix it with some flavored mayonnaise.
1: People love tuna salad. And speaking of Periscope, I shot a Periscope broadcast on how easy it is to make homemade mayonnaise with an immersion blender. If you're not following me on periscope you're missing out
0: yep you're missing out on my break dancing but i
1: don't like tuna salad i've never even had
0: it but i already know i don't like it because it smells super gross you don't like anything yes i do
3: no you don't candy ice is that, cream is that it no crackling chicken steak new york steak whatever ollie Question 10. Marsha and Amy both asked on Instagram about fermentation. You know, I just don't understand the whole fermentation thing. I keep wondering if my attempts at it will just result in something rotten that makes me sick.
2: For those of you who don't know, traditional fermented foods include stuff like kimchi, sauerkraut, pickles, kombucha, kefir, and yogurt.
1: Yeah, it's basically anything kind of sour and stinky. Fermentation involves the conversion of carbohydrates to alcohol and carbon dioxide or organic acids using microbes like yeast, bacteria, or a combination under anaerobic or no-air conditions. Folks have been fermenting foods for generations because it helps with food preservation, boosts umami, increases the bioavailability of nutrients, and helps provide beneficial bacteria to your gut. That's why I eat a variety of fermented foods in my diet but I have to confess that I'm not a fermentation expert and I don't normally ferment my own food. I did make kombucha for a while, but then we went on a trip and when we came back, our batch was super sour and moldy and so then I just quit. I know it's simple to ferment food at home because everyone who does it tells me repeatedly how easy and inexpensive it is, but I just tend to buy fermented foods these days because I don't have the patience to wait for stuff to properly ferment. But who knows? Maybe I'll get back to it one of these days. I do have two great references on my bookshelf, Sandor Katz's The Art of Fermentation and Alex Lewin's Real Food Fermentation. I just need to get motivated to crack them open again.
3: Bacteria's gross. No, there's good bacteria too. You wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for bacteria. I don't care. Here's question 11. How do you feel after leaving Night Shift?
1: For those of you new to Nom Nom Paleo, Up until recently, I was working as a night shift hospital pharmacist for 12 years, juggling Nom Nom Paleo duties, parenting, and drug dealing for the last four years of my pharmacy job. To make it all work, I came up with a bunch of strategies for coping with working nights. And you can read my tips and tricks on how to survive working the night shift in my post titled, Surviving the Night Shift. A little over a year ago, I finally quit my hospital job. And now I work full time at Nom Nom Paleo and take care of the kids. I have to say, I feel so much better. No more grogginess, constant jet lag, or memory lapses. I think I'm nicer too. It's also fantastic to do something I love and be able to spend lots of time with my family. So thank you to all the supporters of Nom Nom Paleo out there because without you, I'd still be wide awake at 3 in the morning pushing drugs under fluorescent lights in the ICU. So
2: thank you.
3: We love you being home and not sleeping all the time, Mom. Yeah. We don't have to tiptoe around the house.
2: I don't remember you guys doing that. I remember you guys yelling and stomping around the house all the time, which is why mom had to wear earplugs.
3: What do you expect? We don't live in a library. Question 12. Teresa on Instagram asked, Can you talk about your menu planning process? Or if you don't have a specific process, would you be willing to share what your family actually prepared or ate for a full week?
1: As I mentioned earlier, I don't really menu plan for our family especially these days when I'm developing new recipes for the blog, app, or other new projects. I actually have a post on the blog called How I Roll Weeknight Paleo Dinner Prep that shows what I used to do when I still worked nights. But basically, I would pre-cook a couple of reheatable stews that we would eat later in the week and also keep a defrost bowl in the fridge that would hold extra protein that I could cook up at a moment's notice. I also always have pre-washed salad greens, or something that I can quickly sauté or roast at a moment's notice for vegetable sides.
2: So you just cook on the fly then?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Again, if you follow me on Periscope, I might hop on and show you what I'm cooking for dinner that night. But I know that a lot of folks prefer to have set menus, shopping lists, and step-by-step plan to keep them on track. And if that's you, and you need help with menu planning, I have a recommendation for you. Real plans. So Real Plans is a really fabulous online service that you can subscribe to. We partnered with them earlier this year because they have the most amazing interactive meal planning program out there. If you're serious about meal planning, you should really check out Real Plans.
2: Yeah, when you tried it out in the summer, you kept on telling me how cool it was to get a weekly menu and a shopping list and daily tasks for your meals.
1: Yeah, it takes all the thought out of it. The meals taste great, and you can modify just about anything if you want to change it up, like ingredients, dishes, you name it. It also has specialized menus for paleo eaters, as well as those with food allergies and other dietary needs or restrictions. You should check out Real Plans if this is something you need help with. Plus, there's a cool nomnom Nom Paleo add-on for one buck extra each month that includes all the recipes from our site.
2: You can find a link to Real Plans on nomnompaleo.com. Just click on Paleo Meal Plans.
0: Here's question 13. Marie Zagata on Twitter asked, Out of all your awesome kitchen gadgets, what are the top three tools from your collection? From your collection!
1: From your collection! Ayaya. yeah, That's like picking my favorite child. It's impossible. In episode 10 of this podcast, I talked about essential cooking tools so you can go and listen to me discuss a bunch of key kitchen equipment in that episode. Today, I'll just mention three additional items that weren't on that list. Number one, dun-dun-dun, is the Instant Pot Electric Pressure Cooker. It's life-changing and sparks so much joy. You'll see it pop up all over my blog and my Instagram feed and even on my Periscopes. Number two is the GIR silicone lids that can turn any bowl into a sealed container. They're like the eco-friendly alternative to plastic wrap and foil, and their dishwasher, oven, Freezer and microwave safe. They're pretty much indestructible. Third is my microplane rasp grater. It was originally designed to be a woodworking tool, but I love this gadget for grating lime zest and making ginger snow with frozen ginger.
3: Let's answer question 14 from Brittany on Instagram What's the difference between a slow cooker and a pressure cooker?
2: The short answer is that a pressure cooker cooks things fast and under pressure, and a slow cooker cooks things low and slow.
1: Yeah, that's the gist of it. Basically, a stew that'll take three hours to braise in the oven will take about 45 minutes in a pressure cooker and nine hours in a slow cooker. We go into way more detail in our cookbook about the technical differences between the pressure cooker and the slow cooker, but I think both are valuable. If I had to choose between the two though, I would pick an Instant Pot. It can function as both an electric pressure cooker and a slow cooker, but I tend to only use the pressure cooker function. Besides the swift cooking speed, stews cooked in a pressure cooker taste better than food cooked in a slow cooker. And these days, pressure cookers are very safe.
0: Let's talk about exercise. For question 15, Kathy on Instagram asked, what kind of exercise do you do as a family?
2: Michelle and I both do CrossFit stuff on our own. I've been going to CrossFit Palo Alto for over five years, and Michelle works out with a trainer.
1: Yep, Brian does old lady
3: CrossFit with me.
2: But as a family, we try to go on hikes together, play at the park, and ride our bikes together.
3: I hate hiking. I love it. That's why we'll go on hikes whenever you're on a play date, Ollie. Remember that time when you had to go poo when we were on the hike, but you wanted to hold it in? So you just held your butt cheeks together the whole time we were hiking back? Yeah.
0: We had to finish the
3: hike and then go back down. At least I made it without pooping my pants.
1: I guess the short answer is that we try to do fun stuff outside as a family, and we'll do some crazy stuff in our garage gym.
3: On to question 16. Air Sumo asks on Twitter, What are some good snacks to sneak into a movie theater? Also, do Star Wars droids have souls?
1: Oh, I can answer the snacks for the movie part because I sneak them in all the time. If you don't bring in crinkly or stinky things, you can bring in just about anything. I bring dark chocolate, nuts, grapes. Sometimes I'll pop some organic popcorn at home and bring it in. I know popcorn isn't considered paleo and all, but it's not like we go to the movies all the time. Henry, you can answer the nerdy part of the question about the droids.
2: I actually think it depends on the droid. I'm pretty sure R2-D2 and C-3PO have souls, but the Imperial probe droid in Empire Strikes Back or the one in Star Wars that tortures Princess Leia are clearly soulless.
3: I don't even know what that means. How about the little one that looks like a mouse and gets scared by Chewbacca?
2: Yeah, he has a soul.
3: Let's get to
0: question 17. Lots of people ask how to feed picky eaters. Do you have any advice for them?
1: Well, Ollie, you're our picky eater in the family. How do we get you to eat things?
0: You yell at me until I cry. No, we
2: don't. We used to do that maybe when we were really frustrated, but these days... Mom cooks one meal that everyone eats as a family. We tell you to try it, and most of the time you like it, right?
0: Yeah. And Mommy makes me what I like to eat, like scrambled eggs, crackling chicken, and roasted broccoli. And sometimes she makes things that I don't like to eat, like cabbage. I hate it so bad, and it's like the only thing that's in in common with me and Owen.
1: There are also foods that you think you won't like, but then when you try it, you like it. I never tell you that you'll think the food will be gross. In fact, I tell you the opposite, and I'm almost always right.
3: Ollie is much better about eating stuff that we eat now, but he takes forever to eat. We'll be done in 20 minutes, and he'll still have stuff on his plate an hour later. It'll be way past bedtime, and he's still jumping around instead of eating.
2: That's when we start yelling.
3: Question 18. A lot of people ask this question. How do you stay motivated to eat healthy all the time? Is it just to maintain the blog?
1: Honestly, I just like feeling healthy and energetic. And I don't want to eat things that give me a stomach ache, sore joints, or make me super tired all the time. Now that I'm firmly in my 40s, I want to be the best version of myself. And I need to keep up with my active kiddos. Also, I don't need perfectly paleo, but I'm way more mindful of everything I put in my mouth. If it's an indulgence, I savor it and make sure it's worth it. I think of paleo as a way of life, and it has to be sustainable and delicious.
2: And as you've said before, you don't actually love to cook. You prefer to eat. You've just found ways to make cooking fast and flavor-packed.
1: Exactly. It also helps if you do the dishes.
2: For the second-to-last question, Suzanne on Facebook asked, Do you ever feel bad that your kids won't get to experience foods that you got to try? I don't feel bad giving up things as an adult, But I feel weird thinking my daughter will never have experienced those things like fresh-baked bread from a bakery with butter, real pizza, croissants, donuts, fried mozzarella, and real ice cream.
1: First of all, my kids weren't paleo at birth, so they've already tried many of those things. And we're not going to police what they eat outside of the home. It's not about deprivation, but making it a priority to feed real nourishing and dang tasty home-cooked meals to our kids. I'd say that I prepare 80% or more of their meals, so I know they're getting wholesome, home-cooked food. Then, when they're out and about, we cross our fingers and hope that they make healthy choices for themselves. And they do
2: get ice cream and other treats.
1: Ollie does need to avoid gluten because he gets lots of gastrointestinal distress. But I think even he would tell you that a donut isn't worth it. Also, the kids do get to indulge in treats once in a while. Like ice cream, like you mentioned. Care to comment, boys? Sometimes I get sad.
0: I can't eat some of the things that Owen gets to eat, but you normally give me a
3: gluten-free treat when that happens. And sometimes I choose non-paleo food when I'm outside the house. You sure do. For question twenty, Gina on Instagram wants to know what would be your last meal on Earth, and would it be paleo or not?
1: Let's all answer this one. I would pick a super long tasting menu at the French Laundry, and I would eat everything, including all the gluteny stuff. Because if I'm going to die right afterwards, who cares if I duty in my pants?
2: <laughs> uh, I would have every single pizza on the menu at Pizzeria Bianco in Phoenix, but without having to stand in line in the sun for hours.
3: Yeah, you could just say, I'm going to die right after this meal.
2: That's right. I'll eat until my stomach bursts open.
3: So I'm going to assume that this is going to be my last meal on Earth, but right afterwards, I'm going to go to Mars. I'm not going to die. So my last meal on Earth would be, if I was going to Mars, um, lots and lots and lots of shepherd's pie. So you really like shepherd's pie that much? And french fries. What we'll if they're soggy french fries? Then I would send back my meal. What are you going to eat on Mars? Lots and lots of dehydrated watermelon? <laughs> I don't know. I'll tell you when I get there. For my last meal on Earth, it's going to be non gluten free donut holes.
0: And then I'm going to eat something magical that will make me live forever.
1: All right, that's a wrap. We didn't even come close to answering all your questions, but we wrote them all down and we'll find a way to get to more of them either on the website, our app, or on social media.
2: Michelle's also on a tear with her live cooking demonstrations on Periscope these days, and she tries to answer viewer questions live. So download the Periscope app, follow Nom Nom Paleo, and ask your questions while she cooks.
1: Or you can always tweet me on Twitter, because I really like answering in less than 140 characters. So that's it for this week. This podcast was recorded and produced at Nom Nom Paleo World Headquarters, also known as the dining room in our house, located in the heart of Silicon Valley, 50 feet from Jeremy Lin's parents' house. The Nom Nom Paleo theme song is by Mark Bartels, with additional music by Big O and Politaire.
2: This podcast is supported by Thrive Market, our favorite online destination for wholesome products at wholesale prices. Pay one low membership price and you can shop from over 3,000 healthy, natural products, always 25 to 50% off retail, delivered straight to your door. Right now, if you go to nomnompaleo.com slash thrive, you'll get two months free membership at Thrive Market and an additional 20% off your first order.
1: And in case you're wondering, unless stated otherwise, none of the brands or products mentioned sponsor this podcast. We just talk about the stuff we love. If you like this podcast, we have two favors to ask. First, you can visit us at nomnompaleo.com for show notes, and you can also find hundreds of step-by-step recipes, kitchen tips, snarky writing, and more. We also have an iPad app and a cookbook. More information at nomnompaleo.com.
2: And last but not least, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us to get a sense as to what you like. Join us next time for more Nom Nom Paleo Podcasts.